Thank you all for tuning in the, to the rundown here on WNYU 89.1 FM, New York, and online everywhere at WNYU.org. I'm your host, Aria Young, and we have with us today Krish Masheri, a student organizer at NYU, and she is also a podcast host here at WNYU. Her po- podcast is called Rose Colored Glasses. If you've uh, you know, listen to her podcast. You might know her voice I have already. So many fans, so I, I know. Course. I'm sure. Course, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Krishma is also involved with YDSA, Young Democratic Socialists of America, and you know, as we know, this past weekend was uh, Independence Day weekend, Fourth of July, and the independence of women and all uterus owners in America has recently been taken away from us. So if you haven't heard, on June 24th, the U.S. Supreme Court officially reversed Roe v. Wade, declaring that the constitutional rights to abortion, which was upheld for nearly half a century, no longer exists in America. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So first, Krishma, uh, walk us through, um, I guess, how do you how did you find out and how did you feel when you first heard the news? So I found out in a pretty mundane way, which kind of is very ironic, and I think the epitome of what it's like to just exist as someone who doesn't have inherent political power. Like, I literally just woke up from a nap all groggy. I wasn't even checking the news. I was checking Twitter and seeing all these tweets, (laughs) and I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, I literally, you know, I, I... can't even take a nap in peace these days yeah um yeah that's how i found out which is like it's very insane i think to live through these big political moments like this because uh unfortunately for unlike other people these big political moments are kind of things that happen in your life and you just have to continue forth and I think it was the same when I even, like, the decision was leaked back in May. Yeah. I was, like, finals time, finals crunch time, and I was like, okay, this happened and this sucks and I'm sad. And I also have to write seven papers. <laughs> right. Or, you know, so, yeah, that's just kind of how I found out. And it's it's a bit unfortunate that I think, like, me and many other people have do not really have this opportunity to grieve because unfortunately their life has to continue on our lives have to continue on otherwise you know we kind of wouldn't survive we would we don't have the opportunity to just like take mental health days because of roe v wade or anything like that so yeah that's how i found out yeah absolutely i feel like it's it's, I guess, kind of been a common theme for a lot of people is that we don't really know how to deal with political news like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're right. We don't really have the political power to do to, to, to really make a change. So I think it's really difficult, um, like how to handle these news these days, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's more it's not that we don't have political power. I think right. it's like on in re- it, I think it's more so to say in regards like we have objectively as individuals have less political power in comparison to those who are in power exactly yeah you know and that's that's been designed and things like that but i you know i do think we do have power as a collective and i um i think that's really been evident in regards to 
the protests that have happened, not only within our country, but also throughout Latin America. I think they're a really great almost case study for us and the women's rights movement um, in America to just uh, examine because they're an extremely great example of just like this militant um, use of collective action that's both very scary in regards like very challenging but also um, very very much so radically accepting multiple people into their movement in a way that is simultaneously balancing like I said this militancy but also this compassion and I think those two create a very great movement that's conducive to all people that can have birth, um, you know, that feel like their rights have been taken away. But also, um, yeah, I think it it also proves a really tangible threat. And I think that is something that, you know, people in America in this, you know, reproductive rights movement, you know, should borrow from. It's very difficult, though, because I think the reproductive rights movement is kind of starting from a bit of like a frazzled point but yeah yeah um do you want to elaborate on that um yeah i mean i think for a while um many i i think in the height of this sort of quote-unquote like woke culture that Mm -hmm. many corporations have chosen to adopt there's just been this notion of almost like post-feminism um like which is kind of like oh we we are in a post-feminist world as in there is nothing to be done about women's rights currently because women have their rights right and that's very much so that has never been true ever uh you know for example like trans women of color or so Mm so vulnerable not just to like their rights being taken away but literal death and consistent hate criming um to at rates much much higher than any other you know any other women be it you know white trans women or cis women so i you know like i said i think there is this weird point where for the longest time so many i think in particular you know white women richer women had had this belief that they have agency whether that's because of their own like part of their identity or because they have capital and capital to a degree can maybe be a bit of agency but um you know all of a sudden that's that narrative has been rapidly like shifted on its head and i i think that's kind of synonymous with like this greater deep dive into fascism that so many of us have been like observing so many times on twitter i'll see people tweeting like guys things are weird now things are changing (laughs) and it's like true as much as those tweets are made for you know comedic purposes it is true there is like this rapid dive to like right-wing fascism Mm -hmm. and that narrative of you know oh we live in this woke culture this post-feminist world this post like cultural world where everything is okay this is the end of history where everything is great um that narrative has been like shoved down our throats Mm -hmm. um 
objectively that has ended up not being through true with the reversal of so many different landmark cases that actually provided civil rights um, and that you know creates this precedent to reverse even more court cases that provided even more civil rights for all of us so I think yeah I, I do think that we are at a bit of like a frazzled point but I don't think that means that it's impossible for us to move forward I just think I actually think you know, obviously, this is a very, 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 very terrible decision. And I personally, you know, was very emotional when mm-hmm. I, you know, when I was, you know, chanting, being in a crowd like that, it was very, you know, my friends were moved to tears. I, I was crying. It was very emotional. But at the same time, I think this does provide a really unique point, an opportunity to like radicalize people and really mobilize people into this like sort of militant action that I was talking about. You know, first there was the initial protest day of Washington Square Park here in New York. Um, that was, you know, it was a great protest. There was a lot of good turnout. Um, but also there was, you know, another action after that, like the week after um, about uh, it was outside of St. Patrick's Cathedral where the Fed- Federalist Society meets. Mm-hmm. And the Federalist Society has been like this quiet group that has been working since the 1980s to reverse so many civil rights court cases. Um, so and, you know, primarily the Roe v. Wade uh, court case right. that it's, you know, the Federalist Society is just a group of like conservative elites um, that lobby against a lot of uh, more progressive decisions and they do this by you know dark money I think they have like because it's of like the consists of the conservative elite they have infinite amount of money to spend on lobbying whether that's like you know advertising campaigns whatever it is whatever it may be you know throwing extravagant <laughs> parties for the for the for my my boys up there in the yeah, SCOTUS. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm sure I could throw better parties <laughs> whatever it's fine. Um no but yeah so dark money also they control a lot of the judiciary like in the Supreme, Supreme Court itself six of or all six of the justices that voted to strike down Roe v Wade were Federalist Society members. Oh, wow. Yeah, so meeting at, or protesting at St. Patrick's Cathedral where all these members of the Federalist Society are FedSoc, FedSoc, I forgot. Mm -hmm. There's an acronym (laughs) that I don't care about. Sorry, my womanly brain. (laughs) Hold memory for that. Um, No, but so being outside where all these members were walking into the cathedral and everybody just screaming at them, like whatever, flipping them off. It was very it was very cool to be a part of, not only because people were actually, you know, allowing themselves to be to cry and to be angry in front of the people that in front of the very people that are at fault for this but it was also like harnessing that anger to be a part of a greater movement because so many people that were at this rally they were talking after and um so you know i'm in dsa and this was you know this was organized by a dsa 
um, group of people, mm-hmm. you know, these people were choosing, you know, what? I'm going to harness my anger and not use this to, say, be skeptics about the state of the world, but to use this anger and frustration to try to build a new world out of the old. And I think um, it, that's what is really important for the movement right now whether that's just reproductive rights or just generally like socialism or anti-capitalism as a whole is really just harnessing your anger and frustration towards existing injustices that happen towards your community and this is a huge huge one at that because this will impact people across state lines Mm -hmm. um and yeah just using that that emotion to um, I guess, like, inspire your organizing work. And, yeah, even even if it seems like the world is burning, it's still, I, I think it's still important to just sort of continue to organize because if that was, if, if it was the case where you were to see this and say, just give up, first of all, you know, there are many people where you may be giving, you giving up could be, you know, at the cost of somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, for example, say, oh, I'm just going to give up fighting because I'm an old woman anyways. So who who cares about abortion? I'm going to die anyways. You know, unfortunately, there are so many young people that can give birth that may say get raped whatever or maybe they don't get raped and maybe they just don't want to have a child whatever the situation may be mm-hmm. you know they they may want an abortion so it doesn't matter that you're going to die and it doesn't matter that you may not be able to experience the world that you are working towards because that world is still going to be experienced by somebody else. So I think it's important to have hope because if not for hope, then, you know, yeah. everyone could just, like, kill themselves, I guess. <laughs> like, that's kind of the mentality that I, like, I don't know, I adopt. That's totally true. Yeah, that's totally true. And I mean, like, um, you know, in this political climate, I don't know if there's any other good reaction to to this news, you know, all we can do is to keep fighting and keep protesting and, um, you know, keep fighting back and stand up for ourselves. So I was I was also at the protest uh, in Washington Square Park and there were so, so many people. I don't think I've ever insane. seen a protest that big. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then I think the weekend following that was uh, there was also a, like a pride parade. Yeah. Um, the same the same weekend yeah. so i think that weekend i personally you know really experienced the power of the d- the democratic power of of the people i guess in new york yeah um, definitely i think people, there yeah. are like collective action is super important not only because yes we do have though we as individuals may not have as much political power and maybe that makes it very difficult for us to live uh, on the daily as a collective we do have that power um, because we quite literally control the means to society like we are the people that make you know this country what it is so you know like I said it's important to go to not just go to protests but to be mad at these protests and be emotional at these protests because when you do that in a collective and the you know I think there were probably at least like 
I don't even know. Thousands, at least. Like, maybe even in the tens of thousands. Honestly, yeah. If you do that in a group of tens of thousands of people, that's going to be a lot more intimidating. And I also think that acting in a group and moving as a block is really important because it provides this much, much needed element of, you know, compassion and, like, this feeling that you're not alone it prevents this isolative feeling of like i'm screwed roe v wade is overturned and you know what yeah maybe you're screwed but we are all screwed and we can all work to this and there's like i don't know the exact like wording of this quote but it's like this angela davis quote which (laughs) you know is so like i know i'm quoting angela davis how nyu (laughs) but it's like um Like, we must seek out all doors, no matter how ajar they must seem. Okay. And I think, I think, I think that's kind of what I'm trying to get at, where um, we as a collective have to continue the good fight because even though it may seem impossible in doing so, not only do you increase your power because you learn lessons regardless of all the the fights that you lose, Mm -hmm. but also, it provides an opportunity, you know, people will scare you in t- away from organizing like this. They will scare you away from protesting. And, you know, there are real fears to be had, whether that's fear of police presence, and that's a very valid fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but in grounding yourself in organizing, whether that's organizing a rally or organizing your workplace, you end up... A sort of sticking out for all, you know, um, people that can have birth in whether that's in your workplace or just generally in a community, but also you end up grounding yourself in a community and you kind of stop yourself from this narrative that like, I'm all alone and we're all doomed because we're not alone. There are many people that feel like this and we very much, very realistically can harness this sort of collective grieving, frustration, and hurt that we're all feeling in a way to that, you know, creates sufficient change. And it's been done all throughout Latin America mm-hmm. in regards to reproductive rights specifically. But this is this concept of using this collective grief and hurt that we're feeling and using that to take back power is what underlines the plight of all, you know, union fights in the workplace or, you know, racial justice fights that have happened, whether that was in the 60s or whether that was during the height of George Floyd protests in 2020. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very it's it's very empowering to, um, you know, like like you said, be in this kind of collective, you know, despite the oppression. 